hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to have you. I'm Sam, as I have just told you in the introduction, and thrilled, thrilled as I bang my fist on the table with excitement, thrilled to have you here in my podcast world that I'm starting to create. It's very odd sitting in your room, just talking to yourself, looking at the little red record button as it slides up recording the audio. But hey, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I love listening to podcasts and love talking to people. And in the past couple of months, I've really had some wonderful heart-wrenching, heart-filling soul-filling, incredible conversations with people in in light of my recent trauma. It's really opened people up and it's touched a chord with some people, it's reminded them of other things in their life or it's given them another reason to kind of take a step back and realize what is important as it's as it's done for me. And I want to be able to share those conversations with the world and reach out into my network of people and share what's going on with them because we're all so scared of what other people think of us and we're scared of, I don't know, we're scared of thinking that things that we are going through ourselves are the only problems in the world. And you don't have to look too far to realize that people around you are going through stuff as well and you may not know what they're going through if you're like me put on a brave face and get on with it this is a chance for you to go deep in the conversation as my guests have been already and you don't have that pressure of talking back you know and I think that's the beauty of the podcast medium is that you can take a moment to yourself to reflect and think about your life and learn, educate yourself, and hopefully have the strength, the courage to open up about your own feelings or be a supportive person and have the knowledge or the tools that you need to support people in your network. And that's so important. And that's exactly what the this first episode is all about. I thought it would be really special to have one of my favorite people, one of my bestest friends on the first show as an example of things going on in my life and things going on in her life that we don't know anything about until it came to us through each other's trauma experiences or whatever and I really didn't know a lot about the condition that my friend has and met her after actually all of this was going on so I missed that massive part of her life and I was only dealing with the person that was in that aftermath of trauma was dealing with the day-to-day things the appointments have stopped and you'll hear more about that but it's a really interesting angle to come in meet somebody after they've had this 
crazy life experience and you weren't with them and you weren't there to support them. However, you are there now. So let's get into it. Today, I'm going to be talking to my friend, Rachel, who is about to embark on IVF treatment. She's one of the people that exudes resilience on the outside, but inside, I know she is hurting. She's had a really unbelievable couple of years and she still manages to function, get up and put a smile on her face. Rachel has a genetic condition called balanced translocation. A balanced or chromosomal translocation is a condition in which part of a chromosome has broken off and reattached in another location, which means two chromosomes have switched places and has resulted in difficulties having a baby. You can fall pregnant, but the odds of a full-term pregnancy with this condition aren't always on your side. Please welcome Rachel Gilbert. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I, I'm good. I gave a little introduction there to balanced translocation, which I just grabbed off of Google. And this is obviously something that you're living with. This is... Uh, something that is brand new to me and I didn't know anything about it until you know we've started having conversations tell us in your own words what balanced translocation is so you said it absolutely perfectly um my my specific breaks are uh, chromosome five and chromosome six so a small section of my five is on six and a small section of my six is on five. This does not mean too much for me day-to-day life. Um, it's more when obviously you said that when I go to have a child or try to have a baby, um, that that really becomes any kind of issue. Yeah. It's obviously something that's been a very personal thing for you, but how do you feel you're not a, a, pub, a very public person, I would say. How do you feel stepping into this sort of space where you're talking about it on a public platform and sharing your story, which is really personal and sensitive? How, how do you feel about embarking on this conversation? I really want to bring this kind of topic to the forefront because it is actually it's quite well known or not well known because it's definitely not. Um, but a lot of people have it, but they don't know that they have it. And if you, if I kind of take a step back and go into my shoes like 10 years ago or nine years ago, when this all started, I was lost. And I kind of want somebody that's maybe going through a similar journey to me to know that these things are okay and that there Mm -hmm. is a plan and don't freak out about it because I think that's where, my head and my anxiety kind of ran away with me at the very beginning of this journey. Yeah. So it's trying to, like, I now know that there's an issue. Well, let's take it back then. Let's take it back. You are married. You're planning for a baby. Is the first pregnancy planned? Is it a surprise? Was it something that you were sort of religiously, like, checking when your period was? You, in most people's eyes, you get married. You get the house, you have a baby, you try for a family, you have a family. And I guess we waited a little while after, um, after that, that marriage and hoped that things would just happen normally. Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of started and it happened quite quickly, which was amazing, but obviously we didn't know what was 
ahead of us. Yeah. So obviously when you fall pregnant, did you follow the, the thing that everyone else does? You go to your doctor, then you have, I guess it's what, a 12 week scan. And well, I know that people wait until 12 weeks to, to tell people, but do you have any scans before that? Or what was your process from finding out you were pregnant? So I was, uh, I was planning a night out. I just didn't feel amazing. And a girl I was working with was downstairs in my house and she, we were planning on going out and I just didn't feel right. So I went upstairs and took a test and it came back positive. Went out on that night out and cautiously didn't drink. I was doing something, I was driving. And then I went to the doctor that next week. Yeah. Went to the doctor that next week, um, everything was fine, and then booked in for my 12-week scan, and at 12 weeks, we went in, and everything was seemingly fine, except the baby, I knew that my dates were right, but the baby was measuring at eight weeks, but there was a heartbeat, so all was happy, told to come back in four weeks, and that basically it was my first pregnancy, and I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know my timings. Did that raise any concerns with the doctor? Is it a doctor that you go and see at that stage or is it a midwife? It's a, sin- a sonographer at that point. A sonographer. Mm. Yeah. Okay. A sonographer. So did the sonographer have any, was there any sort of, okay, let's get the doctor in moments no, there? Not at that point. And there was absolutely nothing to say that there was an issue. Um, they basically just said my dates were wrong and to come back in four weeks so I think I maybe got to about three weeks past that I had a little bit of bleeding um which they said is normal yeah but that my 12-week scan my new 12-week scan was booked and just to wait until then but obviously if you see that it's really hard to unsee it and think you can't you don't have a window to see Mm-hmm. that things are okay um but anyway I just waited I had no reason to believe anything else I didn't know anybody else that had a miscarriage had had a miscarriage in the past um so I just went along to the next one and it was at that point that we were told that there was no heartbeat okay and how many weeks was that so they dated me at 12 weeks but I knew that I was ahead of that so technically I should have been 16 weeks at that point okay so they tell you there's no heartbeat what is going through your mind at this point I don't know like you feel completely numb like it's it's a really weird situation you're in this room I think in Aberdeen especially I don't know how obviously other maternity wards are um you are in a waiting room you get taken into a room and then you get put back out into that room and into that space and there's other people there that are happy they're coming out with their pregnancy pictures and you have to walk out and it's obvious that something's happened and it's really hard could it have gone the other way though is it something common that they don't always find heartbeats but it is there or is you know or you know is it something that's alarming when Obviously, it is alarming, but is it something that you could come back the next time and be like, okay, now we found the heartbeat because the baby was turned the wrong way or, you know, various different reasons? So, yes, there is. But when you get basically, when you get that diagnosis, you get booked in for another, um, you get booked in for an operation. 
And at that point, they do another scan just to double check, just to make sure. I think I was booked in for the week after. But me being me, I, I like to keep control of situations. And I like, I'd never had any, I'd never been under any general anesthetic before. So I decided to do the operation that basically you're awake. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, not really sure why, but I, I chose that option. So you go back and you get your scan just to double check. And at that point they were like, no, there, you do not definitely do not have a heartbeat. Um, so you get put through for, for your operation or you're on the w- operation waiting list for that day. I guess you wanting to to do that when you're awake as well is, you know, the ultimately the the end goal of a pregnancy is to have a baby there. And if you're faced with not going full term and not having a baby at the end of it, I guess that control is actually okay. You're allowed to have that control because it's making you part of the process. You know, you're you're being a part of it. You're I don't know at what stage you can see what they're doing or whatever, but I wouldn't say that that was a negative thing for you to be wanting to feel in control. I think that's that was probably a natural thing so that you've got some sort of memory or something to hold on to. It's a strange one. I think as there was a little bit of that, but there's also a part of me that I felt so much emotional pain. Yeah. But I was I had this emotional pain and I hadn't taught anybody. I taught my mom and my sister, um, my mom, dad, brother, sister about it, but I hadn't taught anybody. And I think I just, I was expected to go back to work and not have, not have the feelings because that baby wasn't a thing. So the operation that you were getting was that, uh, what was the operation? It used to be called a DNC. It isn't, uh, it isn't called that. So I think it's now called like an ERPC. So it's like evacuation of retained product of conception. So it's basically like an induced miscarriage. Basically, yeah. So they can do it under local anesthetic or they can do it under general anesthetic or you can take tablets for that. And basically the tablets induce a miscarriage. So it's... I guess from, so from that point, what was the plan after that? So you've had this operation, you're no longer pregnant anymore. How does that change your dynamic in your relationship? How does that change your relationship with your body? It's a strange one because after that, there's like not really a lot of support. A lot of people have a miscarriage maybe have one or two and that's quite common so when you leave the hospital you're told basically it's very common and just wait a little while and try again and so so yeah deal with it and that that can be really isolating and lonely especially when there's other people around you getting the baby or going through their pregnancy but also Um, there's people around you that are getting excited for your baby you know because this is what you were 12 16 weeks or something yeah between yeah between 12 and 16 but they we don't know it goes past it goes past you as well you know there's lots of people involved that are just as excited you know exactly so yeah we went home and I went back to work I think it was about a month later I was planning I was going to my work and I 
had gone downstairs and I don't know I just had this weird feeling and I had to go to the toilet went to the toilet and there must have been there's no other explanation for it that they gave me but there was something retained basically in there from from that pregnancy and my body's way of expelling it was basically just get rid of everything and I hemorrhaged really badly in my downstairs toilet Um, and my mum had to come and pick me up because we didn't know if it was obviously that bad Um, I knew it was kind of scary so I went in for a small procedure after that again and yeah then I was back at home and just told you can try again in the next couple of months. I certainly know a couple of my friends that have miscarried and it's not something that they felt comfortable talking about at all. And they've maybe not told me until like a couple of years later, but it definitely is common. So how, how knowing what you know now and having a diagnosis, how have you taken it from being something that's just common and part of the female body, unfortunately, to now it being a diagnosis? You start to question what is actually going on and the whole dialogue around one miscarriage or two miscarriage is normal and you start to question is is there something wrong what is it and at the time I was really lucky where I was working I had uh, um, I had private medical insurance so I was able to go and see one of the best doctors in the UK Um, and at this point the NHS were also going through their testing they wait until you've had three miscarriages before they even go into any kind of diagnosis um, or looking into it Um, but I think at that point when they came back with the diagnosis I felt so much more like ah okay there's a problem we work with a problem rather than just there's a reason for it happening yeah yeah do you think in a sense as well that you can almost blame it on the diagnosis rather than your body in a sense there's something to detach it from your body in a way it's still your body but absolutely I think at certain times like people say don't drink don't eat this don't go to the gym don't have hot baths all these things so you start questioning oh my god I went to the gym I had a glass of wine so you start to really blame yourself and for your mental health that that's not great that's not great and it's weird now in 2021 you it's very it's the norm to speak about your mental health but 10 years ago when I was going through this it was basically just keep going just close up and move on and there's so many different layers to your experiences that you've had as well and I guess miscarriage is such a broad spectrum as well you know there's so many different conditions that that you know bring people to to a miscarriage as well so it's it's difficult as well to have conversations with people that have experienced it because they might not have gone down the same route that you've gone down and what was the process for the diagnosis and when did that happen so yeah give me that so after the third one I was in hospital they took bloods from both of us and that was obviously looked at and at that point once obviously they came back 
we went in and then we got referred to the genetic counsellor who then told me that I had this thing called a balanced translocation and I'd already come across the term balanced translocation and in my head I had it before they even told me yeah so after your diagnosis how did balanced translocation sort of manifest it doesn't affect me as a person it's only when I'm trying to conceive that it is an issue so basically I had to put yes that to the back of my head yeah you can live a normal life can you Mm -hmm. you know it's not going to affect your day-to-day life so it's frustrating because you know you just you have everything that you need all the tools and then there's just this one thing that kind of stops it from happening you know yeah do you feel a sense of um how do you look at balanced translocation do you look at it as uh you know it's obviously a reason not to for your for you not having children but do you look at it as uh do you feel responsible as a woman for for those things or have you managed to detach yourself from it and look at it as a condition and not you as a, a physical person because i've you know i've got friends that have had miscarriages and they feel that because it's their duty as a woman in inverted commas to 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 do that that it's affected how they feel as a woman. You know what, the first three, I definitely, before my diagnosis of my balance translocation, I felt like it was me. There was something I was doing. And people were like, well, you go to the gym too much. Remember that night that you had a drink? Remember that time that you had brie or just really random things? And then I, I started thinking, I'm such a, like, if I can't even do this, how can I be a mother? So I was looking at it was like, it was my fault. And there is that culture, isn't there, you know, where people try to find the answers for you. Yeah, and that they're not actually medically trained or, you know, and all of these things, yes, some of them have been scientifically proven, but I've definitely learned through your pain and through friends' pain of, you know, their fertility, journey that it's just best to not ask questions as well and you know we all get it after you get married and all of these things is when you're having a baby or even when are you getting engaged like that though that question bugs me as well you know it's just let people have their have their moment moment, you know I think you get like you get engaged and people then ask when's the wedding Mm -hmm. and then you have the wedding and then the next question is when are you having kids and it, it always goes like that why does balanced translocation affect the the pregnancy and can you you know thinking about exploring different options of of having a baby we have surrogacy adoption ivf Mm -hmm. you've got egg donation sperm donation all of these different things how what are your options next that you want to explore and are those options possible with this condition so if i so the condition if i go back to that kind of point um and where we kind of want to go from so where my specific breaks are basically if we were to have a child naturally there's a risk that they could inherit 
my healthy five and six chromosomes five and six or they could inherit both of my translocations so the one the five with a little bit of six on it six with a little bit of five on it and if they if it was either of those two options i would have a healthy baby either a healthy baby with no translocation or a healthy baby so with it can be passed yeah it can be passed and the only issue they would have is like me that it, right. it, it will only yeah fertility so it's a little bit like you know all of the chromosome conditions you know like, like cystic fibrosis i know for sure is you know where you have um both of the the parents hold the gene that can create yeah. that so it's it's all of these things that you just actually don't realize and it's yeah. it's interesting because would you you know if we could take a little look into the future and you know these things and it's just like it's heartbreaking that two people in love have created this beautiful baby that has this condition because of something that they both have and it's been it's passed on and that's that's really difficult for me to to feel as a person on looking to it so i can imagine that that responsibility going into these things as well knowing that it could be passed on is is tough right it's really hard and if i kind of go back to what our options are we could we could definitely in fact i'm not going to say definitely we could probably have a child without ivf just the natural way mm -hmm. but the odds of that are pretty high of us having a child that has an unbalanced translocation and an unbalanced translocation would either mean for for our situation that either a baby would have too much of chromosome five and too little of chromosome six or vice versa mm -hmm. and we all like most of us know down syndrome is probably one of the the most, most well-known yeah. um, or common issues with a chromosome. We know that that is three versions of chromosome 21. And obviously that, that extra chromosome gives people with Down syndrome a multitude of issues. Some of them yeah. not so much. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for us with chromosomes five and six involved, it's a very much an unknown path. We don't know what that would be. I'm so glad that I've managed to educate myself on this as well, because I didn't know doing my little research that balanced translocation can be in the male body or the female body, it which blew my mind because I thought it was just something that was going on down there for the woman. You know, Absolutely it's not. so interesting. And for, for a lot of people, like I, I've kind of alluded to that you can you can pass this on to your child. So you could be a mum that's got a balanced translocation and pass it on to your son, depending on which way the chromosomes go. But it can also happen what the medics would call uh, de novo. So it's happened once. So I, my particular balanced translocation is de novo. It just happened in me. It's just something yep. that occurred when I was made. When you were created. When I was created. What departments, uh, your doctors, specialist departments in the NHS, at the hospital, at your GP, have you found that have been really crucial in being with you on this journey? 
throughout as much as most of the departments really helped me I think the biggest thing that's helped me through all of this has not been a particular person or group at in the kind of medical world here it's been a group that I met online okay. that have got a balanced translocation so I, I think at the beginning I searched this is how old I feel I searched for balanced translocations and I found a yahoo group wow mm -hmm. I mean there was Facebook <laughs> <laughs> there was Facebook but I don't think it was really used in that context at that point yeah and I found this group and <laughs> which then kind of moved over onto Facebook as the years went on. And I've honestly, when I've gone to some of the genetic counselor meetings, I feel like I know more than they it's tell so me. It's so serious, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think that it's important as well, you know, through my journey with different things in the medicine world, you know, I know that I've definitely gone to appointments and I've walked out being like, what actually just happened there? And you know, you have to do your homework. And I think it's really important as well, because you're living and breathing this as well. And, and you know, your body better than than anyone else as well. So I think it's important to, to join these forums, whether they're on Facebook, or they're on Yahoo, or they're on Babo or whatever it is. I think they're really important as well. I, I think it's really good to find people that know exactly how you're feeling and mm. may, they've maybe not been on exactly the same journey as you but they they have a world of kind of knowledge and understanding of what you might be going through or the questions that you can maybe ask when you go to your next appointment yeah absolutely i think that is really important there's so many more questions i'd like to ask but i think we've kind of like you know, spoke about a lot and, you know, maybe we'll get you back on and, and talk about, you know, the next stage of, of what's going on as well. Cause it's really, really interesting for me because it's something that I just literally have no clue about. And I think it's important to know certain things. And, you know, you said before, you don't know until you know, but if you can get a head start and you can know things, then that's great. I love podcasts and I love the resource that it provides to the world you know I find myself sometimes logging on and typing in a topic or something that I'm going through or something that I want to educate myself on and there may be people listening to this at the moment that are going through what you're going through or they are at the beginning stage they're at miscarriage one or two like you were and starting to think okay maybe there's something going on here or they've had a diagnosis and they just want to, you know, find support. I think it's probably important. And I, from what I've taken from what you've said, that it's probably for women not to be scared of continuing the fertility process. Absolutely. I think I've been very open about what I've been through and that I want that journey to continue. Mm -hmm. And it, it does scare me it scares me is what it's like gambling with your emotions isn't it yeah you that's just such a dangerous thing to do and there's you can go one way or the other and you can have this beautiful child at the end of it or you can have this trauma that repeats and repeats and repeats that's that is a, a risk and it's it's so heartbreaking that it it's happening you know 
I think like for me obviously getting that diagnosis so for anybody else that's going through this journey for me getting that diagnosis honestly it felt like a weight had been lifted from me because I knew that it wasn't it wasn't me and I know that I'm lucky that I did actually get answers because not not everybody does get answers some people can just have unexplained fertility but honestly like some of the girls and guys on my Facebook now Facebook page not my Yahoo page (laughs) uh, some of those people have been through 11 15 20 miscarriages and so I look at my journey and I think well I'm just so early into this and I look at their strength and their resilience and I'm like well if they can do it you can do it I can do it as well so I guess for anybody else that's having any kind of fertility issues just keep going and Mm. don't don't dwell on what's going on don't get yourself so wrapped up in it it is so easy to give up though isn't it but I think it could destroy people like and I can see how it would destroy people because it almost broke me yeah you're married again married again and had the best wedding might I add just slip that in there in Italy yep what was the place called again San Pietro San Pietro in Cariano and it makes me happy that you're in this really happy relationship now and you've obviously been very upfront about the situation and Mm -hmm it's um that's a lot as well for for you to put on yourself as well but I think the the fact that you have invested in figuring out what the condition that you have and knowing to be a couple of steps ahead I think that's probably made him feel more comfortable with the process as well Mm -hmm. I mean honestly it's totally different and I'm I'm glad I have my answers and I'm glad I could I can openly speak about it especially to Greg because that was really important to me when I went into a relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously having a child is not the be all and end all of every relationship but I felt like it was important given the age that we are that I had to be honest and I had to be really open about it but also understanding what my balance translocation meant to me and the ways that we could maybe implement the best kind of way forward for us Mm -hmm. and obviously when the time is right we will do IVF that for me is also a bit of kind of control it's not the perfect solution but it's a better solution for me or for us it's so nice that you're at that place as well now and it seems that you have had the time to really process it and accept the process it's obviously a heavy subject but it's the perspective that you have on it and looking forward into your future with that positive attitude it's really nice to hear yeah I think even if if we did pursue IVF and it doesn't work our relationship is our relationship and it's not just built on based on having having a a baby and I think society that's really difficult I think society often is just like like what we said at the very beginning you get engaged 
it's when are you getting married straight after that and then when are you having kids straight after that and that's society's way of of looking at things and yeah that I think that's the biggest challenge that most people face especially at our age is there anything else you would like to add I don't think so I think I'm just glad that I'm getting a balanced translocation out there for the world and if there's somebody that's searching like you said we both love and listen to podcasts all the time and when you type in something into when you're searching for a podcast if somebody types in balanced translocation I hope that this comes up for them and I hope that they can either get in contact with you get in contact with me and there's a little bit of dialogue there and they don't have to go through yahoo yeah well it's it's almost like the podcasting world is is a reliable google now you know yeah and obviously i'm not a doctor you're not a doctor however you are experienced in this world and you know i think it's important to to say that you know anything that we have said is not from our medical degrees it's from it's from experience it's been great thanks so much Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there we have it. Episode one in the bag. Interview one in the bag. Thank you so much to Rachel for being on my first episode. Thank you to you for listening to my first episode. This has been Headphones In. Make sure you subscribe and come back for more next time. My name is Sam Stephen. Happy to have you part of the Headphones In family. Have a great day. See you next time. Bye.